0: Pop culture pastor
1: so Cody when we talk about pop culture we're talking about TV books music popular culture yeah things like that and it's basically things that capture our imagination right most of the time and of all the things that capture our imagination one of the things that tends to really capture hum Excuse me. Human imagination. I don't know why that word was so hard for me there.
0: I was perplexed.
1: <laughs> One of the things that really captures human imagination is what would it be like to go into space? We love Star Wars and Star Trek and Babylon 5. Just kidding, nobody loves that. Um, Battlestar Galactica. Even <laughs> then that's
0: questionable.
1: Lost in Space? Serious question you you older folks that watched Lost in Space growing up, did Lost in Space, which the title makes it sounded like a negative, make you not want to go to space? Or did you think, hmm, traveling around with my family, exploring unknown worlds, that sounds okay, even though they would run into dangerous situations? No, we think about what it's like to go into space. It captures our imagination. So I found this story and it was like in a a collection of year's best, most clicked on stories. And this one happened in January, and I don't know how it escaped our attention, Cody. Of last year? Yeah, yeah. But apparently, um, Tom Cruise is thinking about going into space. Like, this is something Tom Cruise wants to do. Don't worry, we're not talking about Tom Cruise. I want to talk about, he had, in, in preparation for this, he had a conversation with a NASA astronaut. By the name of Victor Glover.
0: Old Vic. Old Victor.
1: And so I want to talk about the discussion they had. Because Victor, the astronaut, told Tom Cruise what it's like to be in space. Because he spent time on the International Space Station. And so we're going to talk about this this hour. The things Victor told Tom Cruise about what it's like to go to space. Because I think some of these things are going to surprise you. Because what do you think when you think about going to space? I tend to think Star Trek. I tend to think fancy space, like cruise ship spaceship roaming around the galaxy with holodecks. And I mean, there was even a, a bar in the next generation. Remember, Whoopi Goldberg played a bartender.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the um, kindly bartender. I go more real life, like International Space Station. Mm-hmm. Because like I've grown up with that footage of... Yeah. Like, oh, we're just hanging out doing flips. Yeah, they're always... Stuck s- in this little space. They're
1: <laughs> always smiling when they when the when someone interviews them and they're out in space on the space station. It's because they are finally getting human contact. But some of the things old Victor's going to tell Tom here would not have me smiling. And maybe it would be unexpected for
0: your, your space travel dreams. My wife just asked me uh, last night uh, before the football game what are you more afraid of going to space or uh, going in the ocean? And I'm like, why am I afraid? (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. You're
1: going to be super saved, super Christian, but the answer is clearly space, right?
0: (laughs) Well, she's like, I think space just because like you see it more frequently. Like when you look up at the stars and um, that we, can only know like a super small percentile. And I'm like, we know a super small percentile of our ocean. Yeah. And it's here. It's now. Don't get me wrong. They're both scary (laughs) for me.
1: Uh, But it's space wins, but we're going to, we're going to talk about what this astronaut had to say when we come back. (laughs) Welcome back. (laughs) That was rude, man. (laughs) Uh, uh, so Victor Glover, NASA astronaut earlier this year or last year sat down with Tom Cruise Cause Tom Cruise, I don't know if he's filming a space movie or what's going on But apparently Tom Cruise wanted to talk to a NASA astronaut And when you're Tom Cruise, you can make that happen You can Yeah, I don't really care about the Tom Cruise part of this equation I care about what uh, Victor Glover, NASA astronaut had to say about being in space He was part of the first operational crew mission to the ISS, the International Space Station, on board SpaceX's Crew Dragon spacecraft back in November of 2020. And one of the first things he said about being in space is this, quote, when you first get to the space station is when you notice the smell the strongest because you kind of get saturated and you get used to it after, but it was an interesting combination. Now, you might be, um, asking, wait a minute, what smell? There's smell in space? You betcha., uh, and again, it's also local, he went on. When you go into the module that has the lifting, the strength training equipment, that's also where the bathroom is. So that's the most odoriferous module. It smells like a locker room and like human waste. <laughs> now, on the list of things I thought I would experience in space, bathroom smell wasn't one of them. But apparently, yeah. The, the thought of a, a locker room combined <laughs> with the, the poo smell, that sounds a bit rough for me. Yeah. He said you get used to it. Who gets used to that? Only if it's my smell. <laughs> we did a whole talk here a few months back about how we're fine with our smells. But when it's other people's smells, you get right out of here. I don't want any part of that. So, yeah, apparently the ISS smells like locker room and poo.
0: Yeah, that's not surprising. (laughs) I mean, doesn't that instantly make you not want to go? Why am I going on the International Space
1: Station? Theoretically, Cody. Theoretically, not everything has to be the practical. Well, you wouldn't. would. so if NASA called you today.
0: I'm doing the William Shatner thing. That I'm just taking the lap around the earth and You're just gonna you're just gonna touch up just out of the atmosphere yep. and then come back. Yeah, I'm I'm coming back. I'm not staying up there forever. But if NASA called you today, they
1: they heard this, they heard this on the air and they were like, these guys sound all right. This might be a good PR move. And and they said, Dave and Cody, you guys are going to be the first chaplains in space. We would have liked to invite you, yes, the first chaplains in space. One week aboard the International Space Station, would you do it? Yes, you would. Yes, I don't know if I would, man. I don't know because space one thing goes wrong and and it's done. And it's not, listen, I'm not afraid of dying. That's not like, listen, I am a soul who has a body, I am Mm. not a body who has a soul, right. I'm fully aware of the Christian um, ethos uh, understanding that I am an internal being. So it's not dying that I'm afraid of. Um, It's putting myself in a position where I would make my family, my specifically my children. Yeah. Be without me. If I
0: didn't have to put myself in that position. Right. Yeah. In which I mean you were alive in the eighties Mm-hmm. With the the space shuttle that didn't even like get to yeah. launch.
1: I'd be lying if my if I was say if I said my fourth grade experience of watching that live did not have something to do with the way I think about space.
0: Yeah. And um I mean I was alive when the space shuttle upon re-entry broke up. And so I mean yeah, there's again, like if NASA said oh we'll let you say whatever you want and you'll have access to like all these outlets um pop culture pastors being mentioned in space Mm, it's tempting it's tempting
1: but uh the uh, the the, the stuff we just mentioned plus the poo smell it's not it's not helping sell it for me Uh, the poo smell (laughs) Okay, so we're talking about this, this astronaut, Vince, uh, Vince Glover. Yes. Who had this conversation with Tom Cruise. Because apparently Tom Cruise filming some space movie.
0: Or Mission Impossible is going to
1: space. Oh, I that's highly likely, to be honest. Uh, and he wanted to talk to a real astronaut about what space is like. And he warned him about the smell, number one, which we talked about. Uh, the second thing he said he warned Tom Cruise about was that spacewalks are no cakewalk. Ah. I see what you did there He says quote you're moving around In a suit that uh, A suit that can weigh your body As much as a thousand pounds And you very rarely Use your legs It's like running two marathons But on your hands the whole time
0: No thank you Yeah that sounds awful (laughs) I'm staying home. If I have to do a spacewalk, Vince, if I go, can I just stay inside
1: the space station and look out the window at the pretty earth? Can I just do that? Occasionally, you know, uh, plugging my nose to go relieve myself <laughs> in the bathroom slash workout room slash acceptance room. Board the ISS. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds terrible. Uh, according to NASA's documentation, An astronaut in an extra vehicular suit weighs closer to 500 pounds. No, thank you. So, like, even before you get out for your spacewalk, that's not easy. I mean, that would be, like, what it's regular like for me and just adding 50 pounds.
0: (laughs) That was a joke. I don't weigh
1: 450 (laughs) pounds.
0: (laughs) I'm like, I don't know how to respond to this (laughs) self-deprecating humor, but. Knock I, it off. I do like the self-deprecating humor. But apparently it's a lot of work,
1: which, honestly, that shouldn't be a surprise. We know astronauts go through, like, a rigorous
0: training protocol. Although, like, um, astronauts, when they do come back, if they spent a significant amount of time outside of our sphere of gravity, um like, their body does not handle it well. Like... Their legs are like jello. Mhm. Yeah, so you're so like that's why they have the workout station
1: and inside the ISS because when you're up there in the weightlessness your
0: your muscles start to atrophy. And um evidently like joints kind of grow further apart. Ooh.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Because gravity probably does a decent job of holding you together, doesn't it? Yeah. I never would have thought of that.
0: There's a lot of complications if you're spending an extended amount of time in space. With Again, f- Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got to do. With this further
1: information, I don't know how anybody would want to go to space. Um, or like, think about the people who like want to live on Mars.
0: Big Bang Theory lied to you. It's not that glamorous. <laughs> Did they talk about it? Uh, Howard went to space. On the show? What? Yeah,
1: that's wacky. That's wacky. I don't know about all that. <laughs> okay, there was one more thing that astronaut Vince Glover told Tom Cruise about space travel, and uh, we the first thing was the smell. What's that smell? With all the the, the poo, in the in the in <laughs> the locker room smells because it's an enclosed small area. I mean, I'm pretty sure that your 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 cubic feet surface area in the Elias is not very much. No. Um the smell and then there was like just how hard it actually is, like how well trained your your body has to be. Um which, you know, Tom Cruise seems like he's in pretty decent shape. I just saw him do a commercial where he jumped out of a plane. Yeah. He's, he's nuts, uh, but also he's in great shape. Uh, then he had one more thing to tell him. He said, the return to Earth is also interesting because of like the G-forces. He said this, quote, um, it went without a hitch, his return to Earth. But it was at that time uh, where I was experiencing in 1G, in I feel my 200 pounds. He weighs 200 pounds. And that's when I noticed I had to pee. I could also fe- I, f- I could feel the weight of my bladder for the first time. And it was a really interesting sensation. <laughs> I did not realize that being an astronaut had so much to do with your, you know, human waste and our fluids.
0: Well, you do have to think <laughs> if you're spending a significant amount of time up there, where is it going? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I love the specifics of that. Yeah, you're you're reentry.
1: You're on reentry into Earth's atmosphere. And oops, gotta go. Is there anything more human than that? <laughs> no. You're doing something that less than point zero 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 one percent of humanity will ever experience. And it's really unifying in the human experience of humanity because what he felt
0: was, Oh, I gotta go. <laughs> um I mean, I I that would be one of my initial thoughts or concerns early on, just because I think about that with like athletes and yeah. even like NASCAR drivers, like you're in the car for like four hours. Let's <laughs> <laughs> <Just> go, man. <laughs> where's that going? <laughs> uh
1: me and astronaut Vince Glover, we have something in common. He describes the experience of re-entering Earth's atmosphere and feeling the weight of his bladder. And I felt that same experience as Silver Dollar City. And like, I'm just like, I know, I know, bro. I know. Me and you, same. We're the same. Same. all right cody i want to talk about this story it's a little bit heavier okay than stuff we normally talk about um because mostly i want to talk about the logic of it oh because this is going to hit some buttons i think this is going to hit some political buttons um and as usual i'm not really in the politics of it so to speak as i am in the does this make sense part of it so to speak barbados are you familiar with barbados that's where Rihanna is from. Is it? Yes. I did not know that. Good for her. Um, it's a Caribbean island,
0: correct? Yes. A uh, Barb. Oh, go ahead. Johnny Depp uh, sailed around there. Oh, did he? In Pirates of the Caribbean? Uh, I think or in real life? Three.
1: Oh. <laughs> Pirates three. Um, a Barbados task force, like the government of Barbados, is seeking reparations. Do you know what reparations are?
0: They're they're wanting to be paid back.
1: Yeah, basically, it's you you pay reparations when you have done something wrong. You're guilty of something, and to make it right, mm-hmm. it's sort of like reparations would be like, you know, in just a pure definite, definitive sense, a definition sense. I think the perfect version of reparations would be it's the financial form of reconciliation. It's a yeah.
0: financial reconciliation. Um, within America, you primarily hear it like with, uh, reparations for, um, victims and also, uh, for people that are, uh, descendants of slaves.
1: Yes. Okay. And, and but I want us to keep that definition in mind, specifically reconciliation. Yes. Okay. As we move forward, cause I'm, I'm going to bring it up later. Um, the Barbados government. It's seeking reparations from the descendants of wealthy slave owners in the past there, one of which is the family of Oscar-nominated actor Benedict Cumberbatch plays mm, Dr. Strange. Yes. He faces the prospect of facing demands to pay reparations for slavery over historical links to a sugar plantation in Barbados. They're starting to hone in on wealthy descendants of slave owners as part of a campaign to get reparations for slavery. So basically, the Barbados National Task Force on Reparations. So they have like a committee or something. Um, they're, they're, They're seeking reparations from colonial powers and wealthy institutions that made hefty profits from slavery. So the Caribbean nation of Barbados starting to hone in. On wealthy descendants of slave owners as part of this campaign to get reparations for slavery. Now, previously, the Barbados National Task Force on Reparations was focused on seeking reparations from colonial powers, i.e. governments. That makes sense. And wealthy institutions. So like any companies that were present in that, that made hefty profits from slavery. But now they are turning their attention to descendants of slave owners. And recently, it singled out a specific family for the first time targeting the British conservative MP Richard Drax over his family's ownership of a vast sugar plantation on the island. David Comission, Barbados ambassador uh, and deputy chairman of the state's task force, told The Guardian last month that Drax and other families could face litigation if they don't agree to pay reparations. It is now a matter that is before the government of Barbados, he told the newspaper. It is being dealt with at the highest level. And they're also targeting Benedict Cumberbatch and his family um, because apparently some of his ancestors owned a plantation in Barbados and possessed slaves. Now, let's stop for a second because there's, there's a line that's crossed here where logic kind of goes away for me. The part where you're going to hold governments responsible and try to get reparations. Now, again, remember our definition of reparations. The financial form of reconciliation. Okay. Okay? For a government, that makes all the sense in the world to me. Think mm. about the United States government and the indigenous people. Yeah. The Indian tribes. Um, it makes sense to me. That a financial form of reparations, which um, by and large probably hasn't happened in the totality it needs to happen. Yeah. Not necessarily money to individual people, but a giant influx of financial wealth into the foundations of where they live. Yeah. The reservations build up the infrastructure to help them out because the infrastructure of many reservations is not first world. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, So that makes sense to me, Cody. Where it crosses the line of logic for me is when you start to go after the descendants of people who owned slaves.
0: Yeah. And that's where my mind went to primarily just because like, even if you could say uh, this, this family had a plantation for eighty years, and there was several hundred slaves that uh, worked on this plantation. Just think about family trees, like especially if you had, if any generation previous had a lot of kids, then you have all these different groups that are somehow connected to this one individual and who's paying the bill. Are we all splitting in equally? Um, Oh, your grandfather had more kids. And so you guys only owe this, uh, share and the other, uh, people that, uh, were your grandfather's siblings, Uh, descendants they owe this share like how do you break this down
1: yeah so like you bring up a good point depending on the activity of your descendants between you and the offending descendant like Mm -hmm. the family tree in between how does this work how like because let's bring up let's pull in benedict cumberbatch specifically who has millions of dollars he's an actor he's famous he he headlines movies this guy gets paid millions of dollars per movie he's in. Are you telling me that's not part of the motivation of why you'd be going after a guy like this? Mm-hmm. Like, does it make sense? And here's here's what I really want to get after: Does it make sense to say you owe money because you have a descendant you never met who is engaged in something that wasn't a crime when he was alive in that time to people who who? Were the victims of said thing that wasn't a crime at the time, uh, but not their descendants who they've never met because they're not currently the people you're going to give the money to aren't currently victims of the crime. Like it's it's very hard to make like one of those leaps, let alone two or three of them.
0: Yeah. And do we know if the money paid out by like the Cumberbatch family, does it go to a specific individuals within the population or just yeah. does it just go to the uh, island nation of barbados now this is a huge question
1: because if i'm benedict cumberbatch and i'm the one that's got to hand over the reparation money uh, my question is absolutely that because if the government of barbados says to the government of great britain you owe us money then i'm fine with the money of britain going to the money of barbados but if you're going to individuals and you're saying your money goes to into you know to the the government of barbados i'm like whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute benedict cumberbatch might be okay with giving money to individuals who maybe have an, a not great uh financial life in barbados like regular people in barbados but i wouldn't be i wouldn't feel um surprised at all if he had a problem with the government him just giving a government a whole bunch of money Because we know that what human greed does is that government might say,
0: hey, we're going to share that money. But
1: often they don't. Our own government does
0: that. Oh, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, as an individual, I would be definitely inquisitive about that. And also their threat of litigation, uh, if you don't pay it. Like, Mm -hmm. if I don't go to the island country of Barbados what's going to happen yeah well and yeah that's there's there's cuz i mean you're still protected by the country you live in great britain and it's controlling powers and do they really care anything about a island in the caribbean yeah i don't know there's another big aspect to this i want to talk about that is more to
1: a christian sense too and the word of The difference uh, in reconciliation. Okay, so we're talking about this thing with Benedict Cumberbatch in Barbados. So, Benedict Cumberbatch is his ancestor. I don't even know how far or how many generations this would go back. A lot. Abraham Cumberbatch bought a plantation in the 18th century. So, in the 1700s. It's a few years ago. According to the Telegraph, it housed some 250 slaves until slavery was abolished in 1834. Uh Um, Per the Daily Mail, the Cumberbatch family made a fortune from the plantation. Um, The the actor has spoken publicly about his family's history. He told the Telegraph in 2018, he said, quote, we have our past. You don't have to look far to see the slave owning past. We were part of the whole sugar industry, which is a shocker. So you have someone who maybe wasn't even familiar with his descendants or his ancestors activities, but that it was a shock to him, too. It's something that he doesn't feel great about, as, yeah. as I'm sure most people wouldn't. The guy who's in charge, the leading campaigner for reparations and the general secretary of the Caribbean movement for peace and integration said this, quote, Any descendants of white plantation owners who have benefited from the slave trade should be asked to pay reparations, including the Cumberbatch family. Now, let's go back to our definition that I gave to reparations in the beginning. Reparations in a perfect world, in a a perfect mindset, the definition for reparations would be financial reconciliation, Mm -hmm. which makes a lot of sense when you're talking about government to government. Yes. Makes a whole lot less sense when you're talking about people to people. And I could say, or it, see, unless the people are the people that were involved in the original crime.
0: Like I can even see government to corporation. Like if there's still an entity that is around that benefited from the sugar company still in existence. Yeah. Go after them. They clearly have sustaining wealth. So, interesting you should say government to
1: corporation. So, I could even say a reparation from corporation to a government might be in order. Because get this, when England abolishes slavery, they make a reparation payment to corporate entities, like ones that own plantations, for the loss of the value they were losing. Oh. Yeah, that's a thing that happened. And so, I could even see that, like, yeah. They, those companies, if they're still around, may need to pay that bun- that money back mm-hmm. right? I could see that. I could I could understand that. But when you start talking about individuals, like understand Benedict Cumberbatch is rich because he's an actor. He's made his own livelihood on something that's not a criminal activity. And so when you say you want reparations from him, That's not what you're asking for. It's not reconciliation. It's vengeance. It's not justice. It's revenge.
0: Yeah. Or I could see him purposely leaking out this name of, of the Cumberbatch family just because it, it gets attention.
1: Yeah. Now, do they really want to follow through with this? That's the other question. Is Barbados just trying to get the attention of maybe the British government? Yeah. Yeah, that could be possible. I could see that. It's still though, here here's what I'm I'm getting at. In this day and age, I think there's a lot of people who are Americans who might get behind this idea. Mm -hmm. Because we scream for justice. But understand a justice is a lot like reconciliation. It's just a making things right of what was broken. Yeah, that's literally that's like a biblical definition of justice, and that is so. When we scream justice, that's not usually what we want. What we want is vengeance. Uh, we want to hurt the offending party like they hurt someone else, and that is not
0: reconciliation. So, I'm going to go back to Shakespeare. Oh, um, all right, Merchant of Venice. I want my pound of flesh. Yes, and um, which. If you remember the end of the story, they have their day in court, and uh, the judge says, You can have your pound of flesh from him. But if a single drop of blood is shed, that is too much, and you're going to face consequences. And so then the person's like, How am I supposed to get a pound of flesh without shedding any blood? And that really is. I think a great definition of vengeance is that we want our pound of flesh, but at any cost, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter um, if it is justly or not. It doesn't matter if it kills you or not. It is, I want it and I'm going to take it by any means necessary. And it doesn't even matter matter if it makes it the situation better or not yeah it's hugely problematic
1: when you're looking at individuals which as followers of of christ is what we're supposed to do cody you and i so we look at individuals and we say "Mm, this is super problematic now the world is is trying to make you broadly group people up so if you're looking at this from the worldview where you're broadly grouping lumps of humanity together then it looks more reasonable but understand that when you lump people together in these broad groups, you are dehumanizing them, which is the lead to all sorts of terrible, terrible things in human history. And you need to be very, very careful about what it is that you're, you're fighting for. <laughs> Hey everybody, Dave here. What you have just listened to are bits and pieces of our radio show. We have a radio show on KFEX Firescape Radio located in Chanute, Kansas. You can hear that show from noon to four every weekday. So if you want to tune into that, you can go to www.kfex931.com or you can search KFEX in your app store on your smartphone and find their totally free app there. If you're a fan of Christian music, you might like to listen to our live show at when you're at work or uh, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're, you, you like music in the house, you may love to listen to that during the day. So give it a try. Um, we would also direct you to our podcast, Pop Culture Pastor. That's probably why you're listening anyways to this uh, a version of what we do. as always uh, subscribe to the podcast follow us on our social medias on Facebook and Twitter it helps us out when you share it uh, when you review and and rate us on our podcast uh, homes and of course follow us on social media and share our stuff there so thank you so much for listening we love all of you guys so much we have such a great community of listeners and uh, we'll see you when the regular pod drops on Friday.